there. I'm Tiffany Youngren, owner of OMH Agency, and welcome to Breakaway Agent. In a world full of real estate pros struggling to get ahead, there are a few who emerge and become wildly successful. If you are or are working to become one of these breakaway agents, this show is for you. Thanks so much for listening. And even if you just get one thing out of this episode to help your business grow, that's a huge win. Hopefully you'll get a few nuggets though to help you move forward. So a huge thanks, Allison, for being here today. Welcome. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, Well, Allison Maslin is CEO of Pinnacle Global Network, the world leader in scaling businesses. Her new book, Scale or Fail, is a Wall Street Journal bestseller that is endorsed by Barbara Corcoran, one of my favorite people, and Damon John of Shark Tank. Allison's built 10 successful companies starting out at age 19. Now, she and her team of CEO mentors pay it forward, uh, helping business owners worldwide scale their company while at the same time create a passionate life. Allison's been featured in Success, Fortune, Inc., Fast Company, and Forbes Magazine. She's a regular contributor to Entrepreneur Magazine and a featured expert on ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, across the United States. She also hosts her weekly video podcast, Allie and You, the Business Success and Lifestyle Show. Allie, that was so much. I'm just so excited that you're here. Why don't we start out? Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, um, I'm really excited to be here, first of all. So thank you for having me. Uh, I have been uh, a business owner for over 35 years. I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family. Uh, My father was super creative and innovative and very passionate about business. And so that really just, you know, I think I I got his genes for sure. Uh, And so at 19, I started my first company and that was in the advertising marketing space. And and this is pre-internet. So, um, and, but I'm really grateful for that. I learned so much about marketing and getting your message out there and um, helping as many people as you can with your product or service which then, you know, served me very well in my subsequent businesses, uh, nine other companies. So um, over the years, there's been, there's been the scales and there's been the fails. And uh, <laughs> they've all been um, great rides. And I've learned so much uh, in scaling all these businesses that um, now I, for the last nine years, my team and I, we mentor business owners all over the world to grow and scale their companies. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, as the CEO of the world leader or of the world leader in it, what do you mean by scaling business? So you're the part of a company that you're like one of the leaders in helping businesses scale. What does that even mean? Scale is a word that people misinterpret all the time. So I'm glad you asked me that, first of all. Scaling means that once you hit a ceiling in your business model that you have run out of bandwidth, then you need to find a way to duplicate what you do and then replicate it at a, at a large scale so that you are going beyond one-to-one to one-to-many with the same amount of effort and not the same amount of overhead. Gotcha. So there would be a difference then between growing your business and scaling your business. Exactly. Now, if you learn to scale your business from day one, 
which is, you know, another reason I wrote the book is so that you could be thinking about these things uh, at the onset, then you can scale sooner because some people wait 10, 20 years and realize, oh, wait, you mean I don't have to work 24 seven? You mean I can actually take vacations and my business could continue to grow and thrive? And so, uh, but if you're working, for, for instance, if you're a financial consultant or you're an attorney and you're working dollars for hours, it's just you or maybe a small team and there's only so many hours in the day. So that means your income is going to be completely capped. So there are many ways to scale your revenue streams and scale your business to take you out of the equation and multiply your income, your profits, and your impact. Hmm. Awesome. And so you've come out with a book recently, we just mentioned it called Scale or Fail. And in it, um, you really seem to uh, challenge entrepreneurs at, uh, to not just scale, but you really ask them, like, do you look at it in a way that's going to change the world? You talk about like, what's your dream? And then how do you triple it? Things like that. Why do you believe that a business will fail if they choose not to scale? Well, let me preface that, first of all, because some people don't want to scale a business. They want a lifestyle business and it's just, you know, themselves or one other person. And sometimes they don't want to scale because they're afraid that means that if it grows bigger, they're going to have to work more. But that is a myth. If it's set up properly to scale, they actually will work less and make a lot more. Hmm. So, uh, you know, it definitely is a choice, but if you're playing small because you're afraid and you just want to play it safe, you're actually stunting the growth of your business. Like there's a lot of money sitting around right at your feet that you're not accessing because you're too much in the business instead of working on the business. And so by fail, what do you mean by fail? So uh, Neil Armstrong said, as he was preparing to take his big flight to land on the moon, we need to fail as many times as we can down here so that we get it right up there. Hmm. And so failure doesn't mean it's the end all. It just means that what you did didn't work. But that doesn't mean you throw out the baby with the bathwater. So you've got to have many attempts uh, to figure out what does your market want? Am I speaking to them properly? Am I approaching it the right way? Is my price the right price? Am I undercharging? Am I overcharging? Do I have the right team? Am I being a leader? Uh, am I the bottleneck of the company? And so sometimes it really, I feel like it's not necessarily failure, it's tweaking. hmm the failure comes when you quit. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Cause failure, like, we're, cause I was, you know, it's really easy. I feel for a lot of us to say, Oh, don't be afraid of failure. You know, in the meantime, you know, someone's losing everything. And, and I feel like, you know, you've been there. Um, most successful businesses have been there. Um, and I think it's really important. And one thing that you just brought up that I thought was interesting, it's like, um, I mean, failure really is when you quit. Um, and then there are little like baby failures when they, that is tweaking. I mean, that's really all it's adjusting or it's pivoting. Like I love the word pivot because I feel like, Oh, 
So it doesn't feel like a failure, but it, but a little bit it is. So if you, I almost feel like if you can understand the difference um, and then kind of turning it back around, like, so kind of back to the question, like scale or fail, like if, if you want to, if you don't, if you do want to scale or you do want to grow even, um, again, like, why is it that, you know, I love the title of your book, but why is it that you, that you're like, what's the premise of you're going to fail if you don't scale? Yeah. I think that you need it. It's like failure on your way to scaling. Okay. And so a couple things around that. Number one, if you think of the failure as course correcting, you know, pivot is great, but that's totally going in another direction. Course correcting means that, you know, it's like dialing into a radio station that's static. Mm. And then you, you finally, by course correcting enough, little to the right, little to the left, you find that sweet spot and then you dive deep more deeply with that. And in the book, I really show you many strategies on how to course correct. Um, the other piece about failing that is, is really important is failing means that you stretched yourself. Mm -hmm. that you were willing to get out of the comfort zone. And I think that's super positive. Sarah Blakely, who's the founder of Spanx, talks about how her father at the dinner table would always say, okay, what did you fail at today? Mm. Because failing means that you're trying. And, uh, you know, for those business owners that are perfectionists and they want to have everything perfect before they even start, then they don't even have the opportunity to failure, to have a failure. So failure is going to be whatever energy you give it. The people that succeed from, you know, falling on their butt, things, you know, quote unquote, not working are the ones that get up the fastest. Hmm. If you fall and you just dwell in it and you allow that to overtake you, yeah, pretty much you're stuck in failure and that's it. But failure doesn't mean I can't bounce back. It doesn't mean I don't have, I'm, I, that this experience didn't give me lessons, didn't give me resilience so that now I can scale. I love that. I love that. Well, can you, um, another thing that you talk about is your signature roadmap to scaling or what you call the scale it method. Could you just give us kind of an overview of that? Sure. So there are several components to scaling. It's not just one. So I pulled it together in an acronym, SCALE, which is the S is strategic vision. And that's the first place to start. Where are we going? Like, what are we creating? Most business owners, even those that have been in business 10 years, 20 years, do that spaghetti method of, you know, let's just see if this works and throw it against the wall. Um, and that's, you know, a bunch of strategies instead of saying, where are we going and reverse engineering that uh, to create a plan to get you there? C is cash flow, which is the life force of every business. And you could have a, a growing company, a scaling company, and could have your best year and your worst at cash flow. Mm -hmm. So you need to prepare for that ahead of time, uh, or you know, you're going to be spinning out. But I talk about in the book several ways to quickly create cash flow fast. Mm -hmm. um, A is the alliance of the team. 
So you can scale your business on the revenue side and on the team side, but you've got to have a team that owns the vision that we talked about on the S. They have to own it as if it's theirs. They have to get excited about it. They need to be all in and you need to have a strong company culture so that you don't have people coming and going and you're retraining and you know, you have uh, negativity in your company or, or people that are disengaged. Your team is everything as you grow. L is leadership. And that means you've got to shift from being a boss to a leader. Instead of telling people what to do, you need to inspire them into action. And E is execution. Could be all kinds of fluff, lots of talk, but it's all about when the rubber meets the road. And that's where you put everything into action. That's awesome. That's, and I, I kind of mentioned this before we um, started talking about it, but I just, I really like too how you provide all these tools and ways to implement each one of those aspects and even break it down further. Are all businesses able to scale or should they even consider it? Or are there certain areas maybe to watch for that maybe aren't good candidates? A lot of business owners are in a model that is not scalable at all, but it doesn't mean that they can't shift to a scalable model fairly easily. So you can do add on revenue stream. So if you have, you know, a marketing company or you have a, a, a retail store that sells candy, you know, like a one and done sale, you can easily create a consistent scalable revenue model around that. So, um, you know, you can create a subscription program you can franchise, you can build out a team that uh, takes your signature method and they spread it to more people, mm. you know? So you can create a certification program that teaches other people to make chocolate and become a certified chocolatier. <laughs> um, I just made that up, but <laughs> it really, it, it, it's all about when you scale, what I feel is it's not working harder. It's being creative. It's being that MacGyver mm -hmm. to think about, you know, how do we go from one to one to one to many? And that's what we really share in the book, Scale to Fail. Well, and kind of along that vein, you talk about a product pyramid, which I think in, you know, like we see, you know, sales funnels are kind of like that too, where you kind of have your, you know, your entry point, um, item or service or product, and then you kind of build it up um, where I think you had like um, the blue plate and the silver platter and the gold platter. But um, as far as the product pyramid specifically, um, it, I was kind of reading that I help a lot of real estate agents and I was trying to put myself in their shoes. Do you have some um, ideas on how like a real estate agent, for example, would apply that? Yeah. So, I mean, in a lot of industries, financial, legal, insurance, we kind of, we get in it and we're trained by people in that industry and we do it the same way. And so if that industry gets disrupted, which is happening mm -hmm. across the board, the only ones that are going to be left standing are the ones that get creative and say, okay, how can I create other revenue streams, you know, on the side of this? And so 
you know, if you're a realtor, you're really not getting paid until that house closes. And I, and you're also doing a lot of work that it may or may not happen. Right. So, um, there's definitely a lot of front end investment. So you could, um, create, I mean, there's just so much, it's, it's really about getting creative and see, uh, what excites you. So you could create a, uh, a subscription service for, you know, people that enter your town on, you know, the latest things to do uh, every, you know, night of the week, um, things for families, things for uh, adult, you know, to go out and listen to music. I mean, it, it really doesn't matter. I mean, as long as you're targeting the same audience that you're talking to, new home buyers mm-hmm. or people selling their business, um, and you can create something that is a resource for them that they're looking for, but they're spending some money with somebody else, it may not necessarily be in the way that they're selling real estate. Now, if they open their own real estate company, and mm-hmm. instead of just, you know, I'm, I'm being a realtor, but now I'm going to open a real estate company and then I'm going to train other realtors underneath me. It's, you know, like a Keller Williams, mm-hmm. but it is your own company. Then you're going to scale because you're training your own method. You've got to figure out what sets you apart. What is your signature method? And that's something that we really help our clients do. We help them create that signature method and turn it into a revenue stream. And then you have a bunch of people that are out there selling homes. It's not you. And you um, are helping a lot more people and you're generating a lot more revenue. Yeah. I like that idea of, um, I think a lot of times not to use, you know, inside the box, out of the box, but really, you know, when you're in real estate, you're thinking, oh, I need to sell houses. I need to you know, uh, get listings, but really there are other things that are related to that, that their target audience is looking for that would find value in that maybe thinking outside of that strict and selling house. Um, it sounds like kind of what you're saying. Yeah. It's just, don't think like every other realtor. Mm -hmm. And so I run a business mastermind for, we do private mentoring and, and you're in a, a small mastermind group with brilliant business owners from all over. And we purposely want people that you're with that are not in the same industry because we, you know, you could, if you're in the fitness business and you're only masterminding, brainstorming with people in the fitness industry, you're going to do it just like they are. Mm -hmm. You know, the same kind of marketing, same kind of headlines, same kind of sales pages. Uh, And so you're really not going to stand out. So if you could learn from someone that imports products from Bali and you can learn how to negotiate or you are masterminding with someone in the beauty industry and you learn how they do customer service, mm-hmm. some unique things that they do to keep clients, you know, mm-hmm. that's where you, that's where you really get traction. Right. Just kind of pick up off, off of be inspired by directions that they went that were different. Yeah. And tweak it a little bit to fit. Yeah what you're doing. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, another thing, and you touched on this a little bit, but cash flow is um, often a struggle for entrepreneurs and can be even more so when you're scaling your business because all of a sudden you're changing your systems. And, you know, I, I feel like with my business, as soon as I was like, okay, I'm going to do all the right stuff. 
everything, all the stuff I wasn't doing super awesome was just falling apart, but that was everything else. So yes. I feel like cash flow can be a real challenge as you're like, oh, regrouping and I'm going to do these things right. What, and you have a lot of tools in your book. So of that, what do you think is the number one cash flow management tactic that you recommend before mastering all else? So like if someone read that chapter and they're just like, whoa, that's so much. Like if you're like, well, just do this one thing and then move on to the next thing. For the cash flow. Correct. Yeah. So um, when you're having a cash flow issue, you need to shift your focus to what's the fastest path to the cash. Like what is sitting in front of you of your revenue streams that you can turn into cash the fastest. And so, because I think, you know, we get so pulled into, oh, the branding and the website and the speaking, or I got to write a book and okay, but those are long-term strategies. What if, if you're in a cash flow crunch, you need it yesterday. Mm -hmm. So, you know, who can you just pick up the phone and, and call? Um, and so, because there's a lot of people out there that need what you want. They just don't know that you're there. Uh, the other thing is uh, get financing. I think business owners really struggle with this. Uh, and I especially see women struggling with this because they're, women are the ones that are used to managing a lot of things uh, in their um, household and so forth and making sure that everything's taken care of and everything's paid for and you're trying to eliminate debt. But in business, there's good, good debt and bad debt. Bad debt is running around and, you know, doing a massive shopping spree on things you don't need. Good debt is an investment so that you will grow. Mm. So it's like, okay, here's a stair step. That's the money I'm spending into my business so that it grows three more steps. Mm. And then another stair step to grow three more steps. So that means uh, credit lines, and uh, could be there's um, could be Kickstarter, it could be um, you know opening up a business credit card or two. If you know that what you're doing is going is investing you to take it to that next level, this is good debt, and it is really the only way that you know once you start to scale, you're going to need to have some of those resources. Gotcha. That's really good advice. One thing too, um, along those lines as you're growing, um, and one investment that a lot of times people need to make are in people. And you talked about teams and I love how you challenge business owners to know their superpowers. Can you touch on those four quadrants and how you recommend kind of going about delegating the work? I mean, it's a huge question, but like, you know, in like two minutes or so. No, yeah, kidding. no problem. Which like, is generally what, what yeah, your thoughts are on that. Of course. And I wrote that to simplify the process of building a team, especially when you want to scale. You might be thinking of 10 different departments in your business and it can feel very overwhelming. It can feel like, oh, things are going to slip through the cracks. You wake up at three in the morning. Oh my gosh, forgot to do that one thing. So I thought if you could drill it down and turn your business into four quadrants for. And that would be revenue streams, meaning how do you make money, your product or service, whatever you're selling. Traffic, how do you drive business to you? Okay, that's marketing. That's how you position your business. That's your money mindset. Uh, third is sales. That's conversion. 
A lot of people confuse marketing with sales. It is not. Uh, traffic is driving business to you, then you need to convert that sale. That's sales. And then operations is the fourth. Operations is team, finance, and logistics like systems. So if you think of your business like a table with four legs, and if you put something heavy on that table, and one of those legs, or two, or three of those quadrants are wobbly, or non-existent, or you're in all of those quadrants, then uh, it, the table is going to, those legs are going to buckle, and the table is going to fall. And that's generally what happens. So figure out where do you shine? Call it your shine factor. Where, what of those four quadrants excites you, fascinates you, lifts you up? You focus on that only and you get experts in the other three areas. That that's their zone. That's what they get fired up about. Now, this could be freelance. This could be part-time. It could be, you know, or you bring in full-time which, you know, we have now. And then you've got all four areas running smoothly in your company. Then the next step is replicating you. So you find people that do what you do, replace you, and you have other people running those four quadrants. That's how you scale your team. That's awesome. I love how you broke that down. And, and that whole idea of, you know, everybody wants a superpower. So I think that's really great. But also, I always feel like if you're working in your gifts, you're going to love every, it's not going to ever feel like work. And I think that that's when the difference, like you can see, you can see a business owner when they're working in their superpowers or their shine factor, um, because they just, you know, that's, those are the days they want to go to work and that you can't pull them away from the office. And then you can tell there are days that they don't want to get out of bed that they probably have to, you know, do the account, you know, like balance the checking account or something or something that's like outside of what they're just like, I'm so great at this, you know? So I think I like how you just broke it down really simply and, um, because it's hard enough for a lot of business owners to um, hand things off. So, right. Right. So, um, I, let's see. Um, okay. Superpower. I'm like, I kept looking at, I was looking through my question. I'm like, Oh, superpowers, superpowers. Um, okay. If you could make business owners do three things, like if you were queen of the world and um, you knew that if you made them do these three things, um, and it would guarantee a great outcome, what would those three things be? Well, the first thing would be to work on their mindset. That's the very first thing, because I could give you strategies all day long, and if you don't see the value you're offering, and if you don't own your own worth, and are willing to ask for what you're worth at a much higher level, you'll stay small. So, you know, we have had companies that um, were making, let's say, 500000 in their business, been in business for 10 years, and we're going after small accounts. But once we help them with their mindset and step into their leadership, you know, they've grown by the millions. Hmm. So that's the number one thing. And there's success mindset, and then there's also money mindset. And then once you uh, have, you know, really stepped into that. And that's something you need to work on all the time. It's not like it's done, right? Mm -hmm. You have to work on your confidence for your lifetime. 
And then the second thing would be to get clear on your vision. What is it that you want? You know, where do you want to be in three years? What does that look like? Really dial it down. If you were to walk into your life three years from now, how do you want to spend your time? Who do you want to surround yourself with? What do you want to be selling? What do you want to be charging? What's your team like? What are people saying about you? What are your clients saying about you? What awards are you receiving? And the more clear you are, the more likely that you're going to achieve that vision. But if you don't have that, then it's like driving around in an Uber, spinning in circles. Nobody knows where to go. And your team won't know where to go. And they'll be frustrated and confused and they'll treat it like a job instead of a career. So strategic vision is crucial. And then the next is how can we multiply the revenue? How do we take our one-to-one and go to -to Mm one-to-many? And in the book, I outlined 17 ways to do that. Do not do all 17. Pick one (laughs) or two. And then you will see in a fairly short period of time, the amount of effort that you've been making year after year in your business, uh, that your bottom line just keeps growing and growing and growing. That's awesome. That's, that's really good takeaways. And you do, you mentioned mindset and I reading the last couple chapters, I felt like they really kind of seemed to wrap things up and, and really it was your number one thing that you would make people do are those last well, the mindset, but, um, and also you talk about health. Um, and I felt like it was almost like a pep talk, like, okay, so now you know what to do. So this is what you need to do to feel like doing it. What do you think, what do you believe is the number one takeaway when it comes to health and mindset? Well, I think business owners really suck at health. (laughs) I'm just going to be straight. Uh, I've been a homeopathic physician for 20 years and worked with thousands of people on their health. And business owners are the worst because we are taking care of everybody before we're taking care of ourselves. You are taking care of everybody else besides you. And then you wake up one day and you are sick and tired and tired of being sick and tired. So it is crucial that you put yourself in the books as a client and you make sure that all that self-care is happening on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whether that's exercising, drinking water, well, you need, you can't, you have to do them all really. Mm-hmm. Are you taking your vitamins? Are you getting up from your desk and stretching and, and going for walks? Are you doing fun things in your life? And are you having, my husband just, uh, saying goodbye to me there walking out um, i'm wishing we were going to replay the video now you know no. yeah <laughs> it's just so cute yeah i know being a goofball you might have to cut that sorry about that love it, uh, love it. this is real life stuff that's right uh, but you know we were just talking about having fun yeah so it's um i think that's a really important key is we get so serious in business mm-hmm. how do we make it fun And are you playing music in the morning when you wake up? Um, Are you having fun times with your team? Like my team is doing an all day live stream on Thursday and we're going out for happy hour afterwards. 
Awesome. And having fun together. We go, we've gone to Disneyland. We've gone to the races together. And so I think these are keys to health and it's also keys to success. Yeah. Yeah. We have mimosa moments, you know, like where we get, we, so we typically, we always have Prosecco in the fridge just for those times. And then we do our, um, uh, first Mondays we go out and we just pick a different place and, um, spend time together, but yeah, but we're a small team. So we're also like best friends and yeah, that's you know, great. But still a good working relationship. So yeah, I, I love, I love that. And, um, I think too, the people that, you know, even if you're working, cause you talk some about, um, like virtual teams and things like that, but just, um, you know, even beyond the meetings and things, but understanding that they're living that culture, even though they're right, not right with you. So that when you reconnect, it's like, yeah, you know, you're on yeah. that same and I do think it's it's important for virtual teams too. And I think a lot of companies struggle with this now because everyone wants to go virtual and then they don't understand why their team feels so disconnected. But you can get on Zoom and have a champagne party or coffee coffee dates and, and talk about other things besides the business and to do. Hmm. I mean, we do a weekly meeting with our coaches every Wednesday for two hours. Oh, wow. For years. I think five years now without missing a week. Uh, and I, I'm not on all those calls anymore, but you know, the first part of that meeting, we're just sharing things we're grateful for. We're sharing funny things. We laugh a lot. I mean, you know, some of them in their families have had sicknesses and things like that. So we are, um, we are, you know, there to support them in their career and in their life. Mm. That's great. I think that that's great. And it goes back to, to just enjoying what you do and having passion. Cause if you're quarantining it, so you're only passionate while you're working, then, you know, you're not yourself all the way through your life. So I think, I think that's really consistent with a whole happy, healthy life. So I, I love that. And I'm, I'm really happy that culture is so hip right now. Like everybody you know, it, it's, it seems like it's a com conversation no matter who you talk to. So I'm glad that that's a, it seems I mean, it, it's so, you know, it's like, be nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, this is culture at like, if you really want to dial it down, let's be nice to each other. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so what a concept instead of, you know, just being a dictator. Yeah. Be a good human. Yeah. So, um, and is there anything I didn't ask you that you feel like would be helpful to listeners who are ready to scale their business? You know, I'd say, I mean, there are a lot of things that we could yeah. cover, obviously. And there's, you know, I talk about in the book, five phases that a company needs to go through to create a, a team managed company where you really step out of the day to day, which is crucial. But I'd say it's really realizing that you can scale your business that I think most business owners play way too small. Hmm. And playing small is not a business strategy. That's the failure strategy. That's the strategy where you miss out on so many of life's opportunities. And maybe you hadn't seen yourself as a $10 million company, 20 million, 50 million or more. Uh, but you absolutely can. But hmm. first you need to start thinking that way. So I'm hoping that the book helps people to see the possibilities that there are opportunities and miracles right at your feet, but you have to open your eyes to them first. So I'm, you know, scale or fail should be a window or a door 
to open up to that whole new world of, you know, multiplying your impact, multiplying your wealth and multiplying your fun. Okay. That's awesome. Um, and so I also heard that you have a free gift for listeners. Is that true? And if so, what might that be? Uh, we do. And so we have, uh, it's called the, well, it's the 17 scale strategies that I talk about in the book, but I go deeper into those and you hear me talking and it's video as well, um, explaining it. And then there's a download of the worksheet with the 17 scale strategies. Awesome. So, uh, we'll have, you'll have the link for that and, and then people can go ahead and grab that. And that's super valuable. Awesome. I look forward to checking that out too. So, and what's the best way if someone heard something today and they want to, you know, maybe find out more or something, what's the best way to contact you? Well, if you want to get the book, you can go to scalarfail.com and there's also some great gifts that come with the book as well. Uh, and then if you want to, uh, learn more about me or our, the business coaching that we do for Pinnacle Global Network, just go to allisonmaslin.com and you'll find everything there and you'll find out about the show and all the great content that we put out on a regular basis. Awesome. Awesome. Well, okay. So I do have one more question and okay. um, you didn't, I didn't send this ahead of time. So it's a complete surprise to you. I am a huge foodie and I always ask this at the end of every podcast that I've ever done. Um, what is your favorite dish and where? Okay. So it's so funny because you find out quirky things about people. I'm not a foodie and I don't cook. And I told my husband that when we met that, look, I am not Betty Crocker. So if that's what you're looking for, uh, that is not me. But I do have certain foods that I, I absolutely love. And as adventurous as I am in business, I'm so boring with my food. I don't I know. It. Maybe that's my balance. I but <laughs> I mean, I love great mashed potatoes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So garlic mashed potatoes. I'm an, I'm from Oklahoma originally. So <laughs> meat and potatoes. I don't eat as much meat anymore uh, that I used to, but good mashed potatoes, garlic mashed potatoes. I could, I've had at a restaurant sometimes where I didn't know what to eat. I just ordered a dish of mashed potatoes. <laughs> so you don't have like a favorite garlic mashed potatoes somewhere uh, there's some good restaurants right here uh, in San Diego that, you know, that I love. And of course, now I can't think of them right off the top <laughs> of my head. Uh, but you know what? Actually, my husband makes the best garlic oh, potatoes. So if you guys go. are in San Diego and you <laughs> want to experience it, just come on over to my house. That's awesome. Well, I love mashed I am a huge foodie, but oh my gosh, I love mashed potatoes so much. And, um, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. So I'm, yes. I told my husband, I was like, I'm making turkey for all you guys. I only care about the mashed potatoes and gravy. So I know it's a real comfort food, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's Makes awesome. you feel good. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Allison, for being here. You gave us some really good takeaways when it comes to scaling a business. Well, thank you. And uh, I really love the questions that you ask, and I appreciate you having me. Oh, yeah, yeah. And thanks again to everyone who's listening. And remember, the best is yet to come. Breakaway Agent is produced by OMH Agency and hosted by Tiffany Youngren. A special thanks to production assistance by Taylor Hill, Dwayne Youngren, and Miranda Youngren. 
The song Beside Me is by Youngren Music, and a special thanks to our audio production advisor and engineer, Alex Youngren.